and sisters, happy Sunday. It is a delight to see you all here on this beautiful day now in January as we commence this year. Let us begin today's word with a, a, a moment of prayer. We pray with me. Merciful God, you are our guide and our destination. Descend like a dove and give us a word. Amen. When I was a young boy of about seven or eight years old, I used to tail around with my dad, who was an attorney here in Grand Rapids. He believed that the elderly were the last unrepresented minority in America, and he felt very strongly about caring for elderly people. He sat on the board of directors at Pilgrim Manor, and he did a great deal of estate planning and end-of-life planning and work like that for poor elderly folks who had no access to legal representation. And he did it free of cost. There's some irony in this because my father himself never became an elderly person, so to speak. He died at the age of 58, but he instilled those values in me. And insofar as he was a good caregiver and a good dad and a good co-parent, he would take one of the three of us with him, typically when he had to run errands or go to evening meetings at churches. And I recall on this occasion, at the age of seven or eight, that we were at some big old church someplace, and he had been asked to help them rewrite their bylaws. And I now know, having served in a number of churches, that the number of attorneys who are willing to help you rewrite your bylaws pro bono, uh, those are unicorns. <laughs> they are few and far between. So I now know that what he was doing was a, a marvelous gift to this congregation. But to me as a kid, it was a really boring meeting at 7 o'clock at night at some really old uh, and spooky church. So I would just explore and run around and check out the sanctuary and try to get into the bell tower and, you know, get into trouble. That's what eight-year-olds are good for. And I remember at this particular congregation, they had a huge sanctuary. It was like this big vaulted place. And it was evening, but I think it was the summer, so the light was still kind of coming in through the stained glass windows. And I knew what a sanctuary was. It was a place to go to pray. And so I went up to the altar, and I put my little hands on the altar, and I prayed. I don't remember exactly what I prayed. I think I probably prayed uh, to be a good listener and to obey my parents and to take good care of my pets. I had a lot of pets at that time. And uh, suddenly, uh, from on high, this deep baritone voice boomed out. And it said, you are a very good boy. Continue to listen to your parents, and you'll be just fine. And I was shocked, convicted, st stunned. Heard the voice of God. I was young enough at this time, I didn't have any reason to doubt it. I'd heard the Bible stories. I knew that God spoke out from the heavens, and so I said, Thanks, God. God said, No problem. I'd like to tell you that that was the moment that I got my call to ministry. It wasn't. It's one that I remember. Later on, when I was 
I don't know, 18 or 19 years old, I had some occasion to share that story with my dad. And he started laughing. And he said, I never told you about that. I said, no, never told me about what? And he said, it was the organ technician. <laughs> he was up tuning the pipes in the ceiling of the sanctuary. He heard you praying. He wanted you to feel like you were doing a good job. <laughs> I've had an affinity for organ technicians ever since then. In the voice of God, setting a little boy on the right path. Uh, the reason that this appeals to me, uh, this story, is because later in my life, in a much more serious time of my life, after my undergraduate degree, I went through a very dark period, and I did receive a call from God. And it wasn't a voice booming out from the heavens. And there was a time in my life when I was extremely alone, not a friend in the world, and quite isolated and despairing for my future. Uh, that seemed to be filled with nothing but empty promises. And I felt only a nearness, a presence, another person there beside me. And that was sufficient to convince me of the existence of something else. And I chose to follow the path of Jesus Christ for the reasons that were outlined in the gospel or in the prophet Isaiah today, specifically. Now, of those words from the prophet Isaiah, I know that they were on the mind of Jesus Christ when he was baptized in the Jordan by his cousin, John. And I know that they were in his mind for one very specific but often overlooked reason. In today's gospel lesson, we hear this story that so many of us know. It's this baptism. It's this rending of heaven and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove to rest upon Jesus. And we place ourselves there with the witnesses beside the Jordan and we wonder to ourselves, what would I do if I heard this voice from heaven, if I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove resting upon this rabbi? But that's not really what the text says. In the text, it says simply that these words were heard by Jesus doesn't say that anybody else heard them. Listen to the text again. Jesus is baptized by John, and when he had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved with whom I am well pleased. In this story of baptism, it's likely, entirely likely, that that vision, that voice, that experience was for Jesus and Jesus alone. Not some great huge spectacle for everybody around him in order to be convinced that he was special, but rather specifically for him and him alone to give him the confidence and courage and encouragement to know that he himself was beloved of God. I think that's an incredibly touching moment. And of course, I thought to myself, this being the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew with all of its own strange proclivities and its own sort of flavor and style of doing things, I must be misreading this. Surely this is only in the Gospel of Matthew because, of course, all of the other Gospels record that everybody saw this thing, right? This dove descending, these voices from the heavens. And so I dig back through my memory and I go back to divinity school 15 years ago and I pull out this 
$100 textbook. The synopsis of the four Gospels. And if you've never seen this thing, it's so much fun if you're a Bible nerd. The synopsis of the four Gospels is an attempt to take all four of the Gospels, the, the synoptic, or the ones that are similar, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then the fourth Gospel, John, and put them side by side so that you can compare the stories from each. Now, that's very hard to do because they're in different orders, but somebody somewhere who's smarter than me figured it out. And so I look to this, I turn to Matthew chapter 3, and you can see here on this page, I don't know if you can see, but it's, it's, it's lined out here. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and this is the comparative texts. And so you can see them, how they read side by side. And I look and I say, okay, well, in Matthew it says that this vision was for Jesus, Jesus alone. Let's look to the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, it says, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And these are the words of God. Listen closely. Thou art my beloved son. With thee I am well pleased. The words are even more personal. And then we go to the oldest gospel, the first gospel, according to Mark. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opened and the spirit descending upon him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. Once again, with this personal blessing, thou art my beloved son, with thee I am well pleased. Well, I think it is critically important to understand, even in our time of enlightened, progressive faith, that our relationship with God is one that is deeply personal. That when we're baptized, whether we're a baby, or whether we're an adult, whoever we are, that that is an intimate moment with our Creator between God and us. And that God knows us at a deeply personal level. These words from God to Jesus Christ would have surely reminded him of the prophet's words from Isaiah that we just heard read by Bill. Because, listen to the opening of this chapter 42 of Isaiah. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. A very echo of those words that Jesus heard God speaking directly to him. And the instructions for Jesus' ministry come immediately after that blessing. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. It says that he will faithfully bring forth justice. I think that this moment of baptism is when Jesus is seeking the courage that he needs to do the things that he knows are on his heart to do, but that he needs reassurance from his creator that this is truly what he ought to do. Because what Jesus does after this moment of baptism is entirely unreasonable. It is countercultural. It is strange. It's alienating to the popular and powerful people of his time. It's dangerous. And in the end, ultimately, it is illegal. And because of this, 
he suffers under Pontius Pilate, under the boot heel of Rome, and he is subjected to the worst punishment that the state has in their arsenal. He needed some word from God to say that, yes, in fact, the things that I said through the prophet Isaiah are true, and they are the things that you must do. And though you may not understand why in this moment, I will show you what is good and what is true. Last week I talked about how I want to commit this year to seeing miracles. And I said in passing that sometimes in order to see these miracles, we've got to go to the difficult places in the world. Likewise, I think that in order to see miracles, sometimes we have to do things that are unreasonable, counterintuitive, that make no common sense, but that are spoken into our heart by God, our Creator. That's challenging and difficult. But I also think that if I remember, if I remember that I was baptized by the Reverend Bill Allender in 1983 with the same exact water that is in that baptism font right now, the same water that flows through every river and lake and ocean on this planet, through the blood in every vein of every living creature, that if I remember that I was baptized like Christ Jesus in the same water that he was baptized in, I will remember that at that very moment there was a deep and abiding intimacy between me and my Creator and that God said, with you, I am well pleased. Is that sufficient? to go into the wilderness for 40 days? Is it sufficient to speak truth to power when my voice is tired, weak, or shaking? It was for Jesus Christ. And I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, because I have just taken communion, that I am in Him, and He is in me. That will suffice as a call. That will suffice as words from heaven. That will suffice as the spiritual bread that I need for my journey to simply know beyond any doubt that through my baptism and through communion with Jesus Christ, God is well pleased. I have been named a servant of God and I have everything that I need to go into the world and do justice. Amen? Amen.